Coders, good evening. It is Thursday the 3rd of December. This is episode 83 of the podcast, the How to Code Well podcast, and this is live. So if you've got any questions that you want to ask me about me or the web development in general, then do ask and I will get to them um, throughout the show. Today's topic is going to be based on Git Stash. Five reasons why you should learn Git Stash to improve as a developer. Now, I'm going to caveat this whole talk um, by saying <laughs> that, yes, I've been a developer for some time, but I've only recently just started doing Git Stash. And this has been based on my quest to try and do uh, as little on a GUI as possible. I'm trying to learn Git on the command line. And I've been doing Git on the command line for a while, but it's only the things like the commits and the pushes and, and the pulls. I haven't really gone into the nitty gritty of, of what you can actually do with Git on the command line. I've always just used a GUI. I use PHP Storm um, for PHP development and PyCharm for Python development. Uh, I've always used their kind of Git uh, plugins, I guess they're plugins, their features to do with, with, uh, Git. Um, because it's, it feels safe. It feels nice. You know, you can actually see visually, um, where you are in the, the GitHub or the Git, uh, or the Bitbucket or wherever it is, the, the branching. You can see what branch you're on and, and what you need to merge to. You can visualize that. There's other tools like Git Kraken as well that, uh, I know people have used. And, um, I, I, I'm trying to move away from it. I'm trying to move away into the command line because I think it's uh, quicker, more efficient, and there's features in that command line uh, that aren't always available on the, in the GUI. Um, so I, I try. I made a point last week to try and do everything on the command line as much as possible on Git. There's a couple of times I had to go back into the GUI. Just because I felt a little bit safer, because I was I was dealing with uh, conflicts. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole nother topic. Git conflicts. Um, you know, they've uh, they've led me up and uh, <laughs> I've lost sleep over conflicts. Um, but yes, Git stash. Git stash isn't a feature that is available in a lot of GUIs, um, and I was using it uh, last week. And oh my God, has it changed the way I develop? <laughs> it's one of these things that I wish that I had learnt um, years ago because I think I would have just been a little bit more efficient. There's a lot of time-saving uh, things with Git Stash, which we'll get into. We'll get into the weeds in, in, in just a second. Um, a couple of, couple of things before we get into the talk, just to say, I think, I hope I fixed the lighting because I now have this nice little ring light. Um, it's a still a, quite dark behind me, but I, I'm hoping I have fixed the lighting, um, <laughs> on this side of the room. Uh, and also another one is that, um, the discord link, our how to code well.net forward slash discord link should be working again. <laughs> so I was live streaming on Twitch on Sunday and uh, I was raided, um, which was amazing. 
and uh, a lot of people joined in, uh, which was great. And I, I mentioned, hey, I've got a Discord uh, server, and uh, someone tried it, and of course the link broke. It it had expired. I wasn't aware of this, uh, unfortunately, because I don't have any monitoring on it yet. Uh, but it's still it's working now. I, I fixed it after the stream. I pushed up the change. So if you go to housecowell.net forward slash Discord, you should be able to click on that uh, join link and join our Discord server. And I must say, it's a bit embarrassing. I don't know how long that has actually been offline for. Um, what happens with these Discord links is they can expire. And obviously the one I put, I set had expired. So anyway, that's just a little bit of, little bit of housekeeping. Talking about the howtocodewell.net site though, um, obviously we're building this on Twitch, uh, every Sunday. And it's, uh, it's working really well. And we've just got, um, the, the code notes for the courses because the site's going to hold all the courses. Um, and this is community driven. And, uh, the beta testers, because we've got a, a bunch of beta testers, um, they are, they are really, really working hard writing these community notes, which is fantastic. You don't have to be a beta tester to write these notes, but, um, uh, we have notes now on things like, uh, the PHP strings, um, and, uh, other, other, other sort of, um, tutorials, um, the HTML tutorials as well. We've got some notes there too. When I say notes, it's kind of like, um, bridging the gap, the knowledge gaps that the videos don't actually, uh, give so that they, they enhance the learner's experience. So I am super, super happy with the way it's going. And on, uh, what, last night, <laughs> forgetting what the days are last night, um, after work, I fixed the prism JS on, uh, on that site to show the syntax highlighting of the code notes because the code notes are in markdown. There is a code notes repository that uh, people can, can uh, put the code notes on and then it uh, goes through Gatsby, gets built. And then, um, and then with the syntax highlighting, you can say whether it's uh, a PHP, you can define the language in Markdown and then the syntax highlighting will highlight those. So this, this, all of these features that I've just mentioned, they're not available on the howtocodewell.net website at the moment. This is all in the beta site and you have to be a beta a member to access all of these features. But once, um, once I fix some other bits and pieces and add some features, I will then move the beta site over to the production, uh, once I'm happy with it. And, uh, you obviously I'll mention that as we go, but I just wanted to make that point and, and thank all the people who have helped so far with the, with the code notes. It's been, it's been awesome. Anyway, let's get back to, uh, the show. It's all about Git Stash. I suppose I should start by explaining what on earth Git Stash is, right? So essentially, this is a way of stashing code, right? Stashing code away, which means, which means that um, you you can you can work on something and then uh, move it away from the repository into your kind of like little isolated area, um, which is so cool. And I'll give you an example of why that is. So let's say, for instance, you're working on something and then someone, I mean, this happens quite regularly, right? As developers, and someone asks you to do something else. So you, you have to change your focus. You refocus on something else. You do something completely different to what you were doing just, just a minute ago. 
but you don't want to lose your changes. This may require that you have to, this change that's being requested, this task that you now have to do, perhaps for instance, there is a bug on production and it's all hands. You have to just fix this issue. Um, if you're not working in a branch or even if you are working in a branch um, and you want to save your changes, but you don't want to commit those changes, maybe those changes that you currently are, are working on aren't ready to be committed, then what you would do is stash them away. You would stash them away, um, which means that you can then come back to that stash um, later on and then switch that branch. Because uh, as I mentioned, uh, as we go through the list, Stashes can be sort of like you can see the stash regardless of what branch you're on, which is, which is awesome. Um, I'll give you an example of, uh, of what I was doing, uh, last week with a stash. So for, uh, I, I was working on this, this uh, command, this script, and this script took probably the best, uh, time, best of say six hours to run. So uh, it was four, five, six hours, something like that. It was very long. It, it basically consumed. It was like the black hole of uh, of the day, and I needed to keep the 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 branch that I was on active. Otherwise, you know, the script would fail. I couldn't just switch my branches and work on something else. Um, and at the time, the branch that I was on was up to date with everything else, which was great, right? So I could treat it a bit like master, okay? Um, so it was, it was ahead of master or main branch or whatever you call it, um, by the commits that I was, that I was waiting to be pushed up. And I also had on my things to do list several other tasks that I needed to do that weren't related to this script that I was running. And I was, I was getting very annoyed because basically I had anchored myself down to this, this long standing script. And it, in hindsight, what I really should have done is spent some time spinning it up in a, in a, in a VM somewhere to, to then run that offload that somewhere else. But anyway, I needed to keep an eye on this thing. Um, so what I did was I, I, Worked on the other tasks, but what I did is when I, when I got to a place where I was confident that the code was okay for these other tasks, I would stash them. I would create a stash. So some of these tasks required me to create new files. Some of these uh, tasks required me to refactor and change the, some of the methods, some of the functions and, and which weren't related to this script that was long standing and running. But the thing is what I couldn't do was I couldn't just check out another branch and then work on this because, you know, or switch or do anything because this script was running. I was kind of locked into that script. So what I did is I used stashes. So I ended up with um, three or four different stashes um, that uh, all had um, sort of, um, stubbed out code for the other tasks that I wanted to do. And then as soon as that script finished, I was then able to apply though. I was able to create a branch for those particular tasks and then apply the stashes to the branch and then push 
those branches off and, and, and do the usual pull requests. But it meant, it meant that these stashes that I was creating, um, I was able to just create some code and then stash them away. They went away from the repository, which meant that my script could continue and I wasn't going to affect that script. Um, they're also useful for debugging. So let's say, for instance, you want to um, just change some of the code just to see how things change. Maybe you're changing a a, a statement check, a, uh, an if condition, maybe. And you want to just check, you know, if one condition works and if another condition doesn't work, then what you would do is you would, you would, um, you would create like an A-B test and you would stash the A test and then you would run the B test and then you would, you could do a diff between the two, the stash and the current set on your, you know, the, the current code. Um, so you can see what changes. Uh, that's, that's quite a, a, a good way of using stashes too. But the fact is the stashes allows you to create sort of pockets of code that don't interfere with the current, your current workflow, um, which is super, super cool. And, you know, how many times do you, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many people, how many times people commit code if it's on a really regular basis. But now what I would do is stash code until the code was, you know, in a, in a completed committable point. And then I would apply the stash and then commit that. Um, also with stashes and we'll, we'll get into the, I know we'll get into the, we'll get into the list and the weeds, but with stashes, you can also create branches from them. You can push those stashes up as well. So you could have a, a, a your own little sort of, um, stash of stashes, if you will. Um, yeah. So stashing is really, I, I found it incredibly useful, especially when I was running that script because as I was running that script, I was able to create, I was able to work on three separate tasks. Um, and each of those tasks had their own stash. And, um, and then what I did was once that script was finished, all I did was I then created a branch for each of the, uh, each of the stashes, right? Because they were individual tasks. I didn't want to put them all together as one commit because, you know, that's just not the way to go. Um, uh, because they were totally irrelevant, right? So your pull request should be, should be, uh, nice and nice and defined. You shouldn't be doing code here and a, you shouldn't be applying lots of features in one pull request. Um, just in case, you know, one pull request doesn't get one feature doesn't get approved. You know, you have to approve the whole f- other thing and all of that stuff. So keep your pull requests, keep your features separate. Um, so a pull request per feature, perhaps, or, you know, per, per bug fix. So what I, what I decided to do was create a stash per feature that I was working on whilst this script was running. Um, and then when the script finished, I created a branch per stash and then, um, tidied it up. Uh, there's a couple of scripts that I run to, to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, the, the PHP stand, for instance, PHP lint, um, some checking and all of that kind of stuff to just make sure the syntax is okay. Uh, and then once I was happy with that, I would then push that up as a pull request and then drop the stash. And then I would just do that repeatedly. So basically, uh, basically what I'm saying is with these stashes, I was able to queue up the work that I had, um, uh, the, to, sorry, to queue up the work that I was going to do after the script had ran, which made me as a developer far more efficient. I was able to work on multiple things 
whilst my laptop was completely, um, was working through this long standing script and I couldn't switch the branches until that script had finished. But what I could do is I could work on individual features that had nothing to do with this script, stash those up. And then once my script had finished, I would then create a branch for each of those stashes, push them up. And hey, the script finished. I had three other pull requests await, uh, ready and waiting. So it was great. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> so let's get on. Let's get into. Let's get into the five reasons. The five reasons uh, to learn Stash. Um, and then what I'll do is afterwards, I will talk about. Actually, let's let's change it up. What I'll do now is I'll talk about some of the commands with Stash. And then after that, I'll give you the five reasons of why you should learn Stash, because then you'll get some context. So there is a, a git stash. So these are the commands, git stash list. So this will list out the stashes. Essentially, when you write this in the command line, you will have a list of your stashes. Each stash has an index. So you can apply like, uh, you know, zero, one, two, three, four, and so forth. So what you can do is you can, you can identify, you can focus on a particular stash by its index. Um, git stash show, which is super, super useful, um, does a diff. So this gives you a different, uh, can't say it, a, a diff differential between what is what you're currently doing, um, you know, which isn't stashed and what is stashed which is so, so useful, especially if, like I said, going back to the AB testing, um, that's really, really useful. Um, and then you've got, uh, you've got git stash drop and you are, you put in an index as an argument. So git stash drop one will drop the first index, git, st git stash drop two will remove the second one and so on and so forth. Uh, git stash apply will apply the stash to your, um, your, 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 your current working set, I suppose, right? So let's say, for instance, I had stashed up some code. Um, so when you stash code, what you do is you remove it from the, your, your, your current branch and you put it into a stash, right? So it's kind of like you're saving it for later, that kind of stuff. When you do a git stash apply and then you pass in the index, what you're doing is you're saying, okay, now find that stash based on that index and then apply that to my current code. Um, now the difference between apply and pop, so git stash pop and then the index is that when, when you do git stash pop, what you're doing is you're popping off, you're removing a stash. I think it's, I think it's just git stash pop. I don't, I can't, I don't remember if you have to put it in our argument or not. I'll look that up later, but, um, git stash pop will, will apply it and remove it from your, um, from the stash. So if you know that that is the stash that you want to, to use, do git stash pop, it'll pop it off and then it will remove it from your stash list. So git stash apply, um, is it, it, I find that better because then what you could do is git stash drop after you've done a, uh, done an, an, done and apply. It means that you are more in control. Um, and as this is something, a feature that I've, which is relatively new to me, um, you know, I prefer to have that sort of level of control. Um, okay. Git stash, uh, git stash create, uh, will create the stash and you can also apply a message, which is super, super useful because, you know, they say that when you do a git commit, you should be committing, um, 
small portions of code. Well, when you do a git stash create, you use the same idea. So you could end up with loads of stashes just with small little changes. And then you can do a git stash um, show and you can get the difference between the, the, the stashes, um, which, which is handy, very handy. Uh, oh yes. And then the other one is git stash branch. Now this is super cool because this will so let's say, for example, you're working on the master branch or the main branch. So your main line of code, right? And, uh, this, this, uh, and, and, and I do this all the time. So I, <laughs> I will work on something and then I'll forget the branch that I'm on. And the branch isn't, is the main branch. It's not a new branch. So you could do git stash, uh, sorry. Yeah. Git stash branch to then create a branch off of the stash that you've, you've just done. Um, so you would do git stash create. After you've written the code, you do git stash create, create the, uh, create the stash. Once you're happy with it, you would then do git stash branch and then you would create a branch from it. The amount of times that I've gone and created a branch with a branch name that doesn't actually, uh, correctly represent the feature or the code that I'm actually working on, because as I've worked on that code, the definition of what I've named that branch has changed. Maybe as I've been writing that code, I have thought about the naming conventions or thought about what it, what it actually is. Um, and so the branch name doesn't actually reflect the actual code or the feature or the bug I'm working on correctly. Now I know that some people use say issue numbers for, for bugs, you know, branch names and stuff. That's fine. Uh, but this basically means that you can create a git stash um, and then you could create a branch from that. So you are thinking about what you're going to call the branch without having to call the branch something right away, straight away. Um, so that's, that's really useful. Okay. So let's get into the five reasons then. Let's get into the five reasons why I think that, um, learning Git stash will make you a better developer. So. Uh, the first one is Git stash can be used across branches. So you're not tied down to the branch that you're, you've, you've created the stash from, right? This means that you can jump from one branch to the next, uh, which is so, so handy. So for instance, if someone wants to, wants you to do a pull request and you need to, and, and perhaps with that pull request, you need to actually pull the code. So the code is actually on your, machine. So it's not just a case of just reading the code. You actually have to pull that code down because perhaps that pull request requires you to run a script or something. Um, it, this means that uh, you actually need to change your physical code, right? To someone else's code. Well, if you did a git stash beforehand to stash your, what you were working on, you can come back to that. It, it, your, your stash isn't tied down to the branch that you are, you were working from, which is so, so handy because you can, you can just switch from branch to branch to branch to branch. And then you could do just git stash list and you would, regardless of what's, what branch you're on and you can see your stashes, uh, which is good. Um, you know, if you're working in a team of people like I often do, and, uh, there could be, there could be, uh, two people working on the same, same issue. Right. Um, and I'm not just saying it front end or back end. It could just be two back end developers working on the same issue. And, uh, they have 
one branch, you have another branch, and you're trying to solve the same problem, but doing it in different ways, um, perhaps. And you need to switch between that other person's branch and then your branch and back again and so forth. Well, you could have a stash of certain changes that you want to apply to both branches. Again, this ma- this makes it super, super effective um, and useful. Uh, okay, so uh, number two, I've already mentioned this. Uh, branches can be made from stashes. <laughs> uh, again, as I, I'll just reiterate, so uh, you don't have to come up with the branch name straight away. So if you if you uh, if you clone a, a repository, you 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 obviously get the main branch. If you want to then run a create a feature for that uh, repository, but you don't know what to call it. You don't know what it's been, def- uh, you know, you don't know what the branch name should be. Then just create a stash and then create a branch from that stash once you've decided, uh, what that will be. Um, also stashes can be named. So this is number three. So with git stash, if you don't name them, you have to look at the indexes. So one, two, three, and it, that, that can get a little bit confusing if you've got lots of stashes. Um, but what you can do is you can give them a, na- uh, uh, well, they say a message. You can give a message, a bit like a commit message. Uh, so you can actually put in a note to say, this stash is this. Or we, we wouldn't say that. You would say, you know, fix for blah, 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 or adding variable, blah, 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 or doing something here, whatever. So you can then read your stash list and you would see the messages per stash. So you know which one um, you 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 want to you want to look for um so when i was back 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 when i was doing the uh the other week when i was working with stashes when i was running that long standing script what i did was i created in the in the in the stash message i added the bug number um that i was working on or the feature number that i was working on uh, which meant that i was able to identify exactly which stash related to which future feature that i was going to um, create a pull request from once once my long-standing script had finished. Um, number four uh, is untracked files can also be stashed, which is super handy. So if, for instance, you want to create a new class, say, for instance, you are, um, let's say, for instance, you see a God class. So this is a class that has absolutely all the responsibilities under the sun. And you want to do some refactoring on that. You want to refactor some bits and pieces. What I would do in that case is normally, normally pre-stash days, what I would do is I would create a um, a new file and I would call that and I would call the old file, like I would, I would suffix the file name with old or BKP for backup, uh, <laughs> Which, which isn't great. Um, but now with stashes, because it's untracked changes, because you, you can actually create, um, a new, you know, files that aren't tracked in the, in, in Git, uh, you can, you can push those up. So it's minus you. So, you know, you can do Git, uh, Git stash create minus you. And then you could create a stash that includes untracked files. Um, <laughs> which which will make my life so much easier um so 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 much easier and then using the diff you can you can you know get a difference between uh what is in the stash and what is on current so then you know you don't have to have all of these 
uh, fan, these stupid uh, file names. You know, one is old, one is new, one is underscore one, one is underscore two. You know, there's no need for that. What you would do is you would just, you would create a single replacement class and then you would, that would be untracked, right? So you're not going to commit that up. You're not going to commit uh, God class old underscore one. <laughs> um, you wouldn't do that. You would create that file that would be untracked. Then you would stash it up, right? And then you would use the diff to work out, you know, the difference between uh, your 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 work your work in progress code the stash code and what's currently uh in in your uh in your current branch anyway the last one is uh as i mentioned uh the diff of the stashes um so you can do a diff of a stash so a stash and a stash or you could do a diff of the stash and the uh and your your current code which is so handy and the the diff I guess, I mean, this warrants its own video diff, um, because you, you need to learn how to read the difference of code. Um, you have the pluses and the minuses. You need to know what has been removed and what hasn't been removed, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, the line numbers and, and so on and so forth. If you see this in, say, Git, you see a diff in GitHub, then what, what usually happens, they color code it. So the green stuff is the code that has been added and the red stuff is the code that has been removed. Um, and when you're obviously working on the command line, it's not colored, right? So you, you see the minuses and the pluses. So you can see what is removed and what is, what is going to be applied. Um, and, uh, and just being able to identify that quickly. So at a glance, you can see those kind of things quickly. Uh, that is very, very, very useful. And to be able to do this on code that isn't yet in a repository. So in a stash and you're doing a diff against the stash, um, and the repository or a stash and a stash, that is incredibly useful, incredibly, incredibly useful, um, to, to work out what's changed, what needs to change. Um, there's lots of little things that I would do. Like for an example, if, um, if for instance, I needed to do a little quick, quick change, then I would put that in a stash because, um, and I wasn't too sure whether that would work or not. Um, I'm not too sure. Don't know. Then I would put that in a stash. Um, you know, like the AB testing, as I mentioned. So your, the, the code, say for instance, there's a bug. Let's run it through. Let's say, let's say for instance, there's a bug. Okay. So there's a bug on the system and you, what you do is you pull down the main branch. So you get the, the current set. And it, let's say I've been doing a lot of work with console scripts, as you can probably guess. So let's say it's a, a bug in the console script. And let's say you need to not only download the, um, the, the whole main branch, but you also have to download or pull the, the database to get a copy of the database to get it into the state so you can replicate the issue. Okay. So you've done that. You've pulled your, your main branch down. You've pulled the database down. So you are, you are now in the same sort of similar setting as what is where the bug is. Okay. So now you need to run a, a, a command, but this command is going to take a little bit of time. To, to run. So, and you've got a fair idea as to where the bug is, right? You've got a, an inkling because you've read the code. You kind of know what's wrong. Um, but you want to do some sort of A-B testing. You want to kind of see, you know, 
running the code that hasn't got any changes is obviously going to fail because that's where the bug is. But let's see if we can make a change, right? Let's see if we can make a change um, and then um, and apply that change if that change works. Okay, maybe you've got a couple of ideas. Maybe you've got a couple of ideas of how to solve this issue. What you could do is you could create a series of stashes. Each stash has a potential fix. And then what you could do is keep running the script. And each time you run the script, you just apply a different stash that has a different fix. Or maybe uh, as a case that I've done recently, you want to compare the performance of one thing against another thing. So what you would do is you would pull down the main branch. You know, it's going to be really super slow because, you know, there's the bug is to fix the performance. And so what you would do is you would, you would run that. You would get your timings. So that's the base level. Okay. So it's taking this long. Fine. Okay. Let's now, um, let's try and do a fix. Let's fix, try and do a fix. But I want to, I want to be able to revert back to the previous state so I can get back to the base state. So normally what you would do is you would write the code and then you would revert it back and then you would go into the history um, to get it to, to, to bring your, your changes forward and all that stuff. No need for that anymore. What you do is you create your potential fix, you stash it. So now you've got a, now you've got a store, a stash store of potential fixes and you apply each one. Um, well, you apply one of those fixes, you run the script, you time the script. Okay. And so that took, that took, that was 10 seconds quicker. Fine. Okay. Let's now apply the next stash. So let's put it back to the, the, to the base level state and then apply the next stash. Okay. So, um, uh, this was 20 seconds quicker. Okay. So there's some, a little bit of performance improvements that we can do there. We'll do, we'll use stash. Uh, two over stash one. Okay. There's another fix. There's another potential fix here. Okay. So let's put it back to the base, um, to where it was. Let's apply stash three to it. Ah, okay. No, this is actually taking 30 seconds longer. Right. Okay. So I don't want to use stash three. I don't want to use stash one because that's only a 10 second, uh, uh, quicker. I want to use stash two. Fine. Let's do um, git stash apply to apply that stash and then let's do a, a git stash clear to clear the stashes after we've done the pull request. And that's kind of how, um, how that would, you know, just imagine trying to do that without stashing, trying to come up with those three potential fixes without stashing. It would just be a utter nightmare. Um, so with stashing, you can basically s- sort of, store up these potential fixes and then just test them out one after the other, you know, and then choose the one that you want. So yeah, stashing will make you a better developer in my opinion. Whoo. So, <laughs> so that is git stash. Um, and, uh, like I said, I am, I am on a quest to try and get, uh, to, to, to try and use git more often on the command line. And, uh, it's, uh, it's proving well, it's proving well. I haven't, I must admit, I haven't really got to the nitty gritty bits of dealing with, uh, bad conflicts with, with, uh, uh Git on the command line. I, I would probably lean back onto the GUI for those kind of things. And when I say to be a better de- developer, if you are, 
if you've literally just started learning to code, then I, I don't recommend using the Git on the command line. And I know that sounds really gatekeepy, but the thing is the command line is a scary place, scary place where lots of bad things can happen. So I, I recommend learning Git through, through a GUI. So, so where you can visually see the changes that you are making to your decentralized repo and then pushing them up to uh to a remote repo to get you just to get used to that get used to the merging get used to seeing the the logs getting used to seeing the 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 graphs you know where you know the the graphs whether you can see what's being committed in what's being merged in that kind of stuff um and then and then maybe uh play with the command line um but uh you want to be get it i i personally think that you should get used to a gui first because then you when you get used to a gui if you use the command line like i'm doing and then you get yourself into hot water you can then always revert back to using the 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 command the the, the gui uh, a nice safe space where you can actually visually see what's going on <laughs> Uh, so I, I haven't really got into the depths yet of learning things like like um, cherry picking and all of that stuff off of the command line. Um, it's something that I, I mean, this is why I haven't done a Git course. This is why I haven't done a Git course at all, uh, because I, I don't feel like I know enough about Git myself um, to be able to teach others. But as I go through and I find, you know, I discover these certain features then I, you know, I will use this channel as a means to promote and, and talk and discuss about those things. And it might be the case that uh, I have missaid something. If I have, then please let me know because, you know, everybody's learning. I'm learning all the time. Um, but uh, I think, uh, I think 2021 may be the year where I do a full project in the command line and then just use my IDE to write code. Um, it's a scary thought, but I think, I think that might happen, which is really interesting. It's kind of like, I've got the feeling like I had when, um, I switched from Windows to Linux. I could kind of anticipate that that was happening in the future. I was like, I'm using Linux far more. It got to one of those balancing points where, um, you know, you, you would, you would turn on your computer. And what I was doing is I was doing a boot boot uh, load between, uh, it was like a boot partition between Windows and Linux. That's how I started learning Linux. Um, and so I would boot into Windows. And then when I went, when I, I wanted to learn Linux, I would boot into Linux. And that happened for a while, you know, quite a long time. And then eventually I would start booting into Linux and not into Windows. And then eventually I would start applying the doing the things that I would normally do in Windows in Linux. And then I would be sharing files between the, the, the boot partitions. Um, and I would just be getting more and more used to Linux. And then Windows just faded, faded away. It took a very long time to get comfortable and get used to, uh, it was Ubuntu at the time. I did Ubuntu and Fedora and uh, Sousa and all of that stuff. Um, but it took a long time, but, and, but there was a point where I could, I could feel like I had no, I, I knew the same level of Linux to the same level as Windows, or at least I could see that there was a, a shift going on. 
And I kind of have that feeling now with the command line with Git and the, and Git on a GUI. It's kind of that really weird feeling of, you know, I know how to do this in both the GUI and the command line now, and I can do it 10 times faster in the command line. So what am I going to do? I'm going to use the command line. Oh, I need to do this now. Let's have a look. Let's, let's, let's research how to do this particular Git thing. And how am I going to, what am I going to research? Am I going to research to do that on the command line or am I going to research how to do that in a GUI? I'm going to research how to do it on the command line because I'm getting used to the command line and that's how the GUI starts to fade. Um, and then hopefully by the end of next year, it'll be like everything is done. Uh, well, every Git command I do will be on the command line. And I'll just zip through things. And hopefully I'm even thinking about creating my own aliases on the command line for Git. Um, and if I do, I'll let you know, uh, what, which ones they are. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. I'm really looking for 20, looking forward to 2021 in terms of my progression as a developer. And, um, also I'm looking forward to how 2021 is going to be with the How to Code Well YouTube channel. Um, you obviously I'm streaming here on YouTube. Um, I also stream of course on Twitch and, uh, there is, there is a reason why I'm doing this because be, being a streamer on both, both platforms, um, because, well, I want to broaden my audience, um, and I want to do more podcasts live because I want to eventually get guests on and do guest interviews, uh, live. And I think that's more of a genuine conversation or it comes across as a more genuine conversation because it's live. Um, but it also means that, um, if Twitch goes down, <laughs> which is something, something I fear if Twitch, um, falls flat, uh, next year, um, then I can, I can move on to YouTube and I've been, I would have a, a, a stock of live streams to, to work from. So yes, I know that the audience here is small, smaller than what I would do on a, on Twitch, but, uh, it's slowly bringing, bringing that up. So there's a little bit of planning and strategizing with that. But also what I'm looking forward to, of course, is, um, the tutorials. Now I'm not going to give anything away because I've done this before, unfortunately, where I've mentioned that I was going to do something and then it never happened because life got into the, in the way. So I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the specifics of what is going to happen in 2021. Um, but just know that I'm currently recording, uh, tutorials that are scheduled to go out in 2021. So I'm in that mode now. I'm in the mode of, of getting stuff ready for 2021. And it's going to be an interesting one. I think we're going to probably take the same sort of steady course. Um, I think Mondays is going to be the, the, the tutorial day for, well, it kind of has been for, uh, for, for 2020. And I think that's how we're going to keep going, uh, for 2021. So there's going to be a tutorial every Monday, um, that goes out. So there's 50, you know, 52 tutorials planned. I'm not going to talk about what they are. The howtocowell.net website is really going well. It's unfortunately not where I think it should be, but, um, and it's certainly not where I had planned. If you had looked at, uh, watched the, the roadmap that I did, um, I can't remember. It was like six months ago. 
so we haven't met those targets, unfortunately. I will do another roadmap for 2021. Um, but, uh, it, it, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a, a nice, uh, platform, I think. Um, and I'm super happy with the support that I'm getting on Twitch. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, happy coding everybody. And I will see you again next Thursday for another live stream and, uh, take care. Happy coding everyone. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.